Good morning, church. Today we're going to pray together about our trust in God. Two scriptures came to mind. Proverbs 3.5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Romans 8.28 says, In all things, God works for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So join me as we pray. Thank you, Father God, that you are trustworthy. You are working for our good. Thank you that when we look back over our own lives and see your hand at work, we see with confidence we can trust you. Thank you that in the lives of our brother and sister Christians, again, the evidence is there. You can be trusted. Thank you that in your word, the Bible, we see again and again that you are trustworthy in the lives of your chosen people. And we thank you too that in the life of this, our church, we again see that you are to be trusted. Help us, we pray, Father, to learn to trust you more and more in our own lives and in the life of our church. Help us, we pray, to trust you above all others, including ourselves. Help us, we pray, to realise you always keep your word. You never change your plans or purposes. You never change your mind and you never lie. Help us, we pray, to understand that when we face the unknown, you are sovereign over all things. You see the big picture. You know the future and you are infinitely wise infinitely loving and infinitely good to your children. Lead us, Lord, we pray, to put you first when it comes to trust, to put you before all others, to trust you at all times and to trust you in all things. Teach us, we pray, to totally and completely rely on you in all matters of trust. And forgive us, Father, we pray, when we treat you as the last person we trust, the fallback option, when all the others have failed us. Forgive us, Father, when we trust ourselves, trust our relatives, trust our friends, trust our employers, even trust the government before we turn to you. Heal us, Father, we pray, when we've been hurt by others breaking the trust we had in them, when we're hurt so badly that we're unwilling to trust anyone anymore. Heal us, Father, so that no matter how others have treated us, are treating us now, or will treat us in the future, no matter, we can always in all things confidently put our trust in you. Help us, Father, to develop an unbreakable habit of trusting you at all times, in all things, in every area of our lives. Father, as this, our church, moves forward into the future, help us to keep on strengthening our trust in you. The trust we had when this church started, the trust we've had as the church grew, the trust we've developed in this body of Christ and the trust we've grown as we move into this new building. You are our great provider, and for that, we thank you and we praise you. 
May we always trust you first, trust you in all things, and trust you at all times, in every circumstance. These things we ask today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today, my lovely wife Carol is bringing us the message. I'm sure she won't take offence if I suggest to you that you all pay attention, listen carefully, and do what she says, just like I do. The secrets are getting out. (laughs) Good morning, everybody. It's great to be here, and it will be even more exciting next week when we can see all of you out there. It will be wonderful. So I was starting off today with a little story of a man who was travelling. He was a businessman in the US and was scheduled for a very important meeting to take him uh, to it. He had to travel across America by train. And knowing he would most certainly be asleep when he got to the train stop, he spoke to one of the porters and asked for his help. He said, I have the most important meeting of my life in the morning and I cannot afford to miss it. When the train pulls into Chattanooga at 2am, please wake me up and help me off the train. I will be grumpy, I will want to sleep, but do whatever it takes to get me off this train. The next morning when the businessman woke up, he was still on the train and had missed his stop and his meeting. He was furious and he raged all over the porter who was supposed to have helped him off the train. When the irate passenger stormed away, another passenger who had witnessed this tirade commented, in all my life I have never seen anybody get so upset. And the porter replied, that's nothing. You should have seen the guy I forced off the train at two o'clock in Chattanooga. (laughs) I think we can all identify with the two men in this story. Like the businessmen, we have been offended and angry when someone hasn't done what we expected them to do. And like the man forced off the train, we have also been offended and angry when someone has done something to us that we didn't think we deserved, when we have been an innocent victim. Because of this life on earth, Jesus knew that we would have many opportunities to be offended. In fact, he said in Luke ten seventeen in the King James Version that it is impossible that no offences should come. It is impossible to live without being offended. We are all flawed people with our own personalities, ideas, opinions and beliefs and at some point they can clash. We can get angry and upset for a whole range of reasons but it's what we do with the anger that is important. The Bible tells us when you get angry, don't let your anger lead you into sin. It doesn't say don't get angry, but it's how we manage it that's important. Settle it before the sun goes down. If we don't, it will sit and fester in our minds and the problem will get bigger and bigger. We are told to be honest, to speak the truth in love and do everything we can to resolve the matter. Better still, it would be good if we could develop ways to deal with being offended before it gets to the stage of anger. Anger is only one short letter away of danger. I've been learning about the damage being offended causes and what it can lead to, and it began during a personal retreat I had a few years ago when the Lord told me to hold no one in contempt 
He knew that I was prone to being offended. He also knew that I jumped to conclusions. And the learning continues. Even new thoughts came to me this morning. It's an ongoing process and education. I've been helped very much by a book by John Bevere called The Bait of Satan. Don't be put off by the title. It's a very practical book. And some of what I'm sharing with you today comes from that. According to the Webster Dictionary, to take offence is to become insulted or morally outraged. The Oxford Dictionary says it is feeling or showing anger and surprise because you think that you've been treated unfairly. And so we become offended. Taking offence is the bait that Satan uses to draw us away from the Lord and away from each other. He lays it out for us in many subtle ways and hidden ways, and when we take the bait and react, he has had the victory. So much damage has been done to friendships, all manner of relationships, and sadly in many relationships in churches because people have become offended over something they considered to be unfair or unjust. Offended people can produce the wrong type of fruit, including jealousy, resentment, bitterness, and eventually hatred. These things can lead to division, revenge, betrayal, and of course broken relationships. We certainly see the ultimate act of betrayal in the action of Judas when he became offended, which opened the way for the arrest, trial, and crucifixion of Jesus. Let's look at John 12, verses 1 to 8. This is the beautiful reading about when Mary anointed Jesus at Bethany with the expensive perfume. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honour. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It's worth more than a year's wages. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor. He said it because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to keep him, help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. There are three accounts of a dinner at Bethany in three of the Gospels, and it is thought that there were two dinners in the same week, the week before Passover. Different people attended, and they were held in two different homes. There were two women, one who is nameless, but we will focus on Mary, who was the sister of Lazarus. We can see from this reading that Judas objected. He was offended because the perfume was wasted in this way. Other translations say the people present were indignant about the wastage. So I looked up the word indignant and it has 36 synonyms. Among them, aggrieved, resentful, disgruntled and offended. And a couple that I can't repeat here. 
It means feeling or showing anger or annoyance at what is perceived or sensed to be unfair treatment. Judas, the disciples and the guests were all jumping to conclusions. What the disciples didn't know at this point and what they didn't understand was that Mary was worshipping Jesus by pouring out the most costly thing she owned for him. But Jesus knew. Mary had a very small window of opportunity and she seized the moment to bless Jesus in this way. And I'm sure she didn't realise just at that moment that she was anointing him in preparation for his burial. But Jesus then told the disciples she had kept the perfume for the day of his burial. At his crucifixion, I'm sure that Mary was greatly comforted by the fact that she had taken that opportunity to bless Jesus in that way before he went to the cross. Compare that attitude of Mary's heart with that of Judas. Two of the accounts say that he left this dinner and went straight to the, chiefs to, uh, to the chief priest sorry, to betray him. Judas was angry over the waste of the perfume because he was a thief and it seems that for him this incident was the last straw and he was provoked enough to go to the Pharisees and sell Jesus out. When we take offence without knowing all the facts, particularly when we take a self-righteous stand as Judas did, it's an awful thing and its consequences can be very far-reaching. If we respond to a situation where we are provoked and become offended, Satan has hooked us. We have taken the bait and much damage can be done. This is where we can choose which path we're going to take. Will we give in to his plans and become huffy, angry and offended or will we choose to be like Jesus and forgive or apologise for our wrong attitude? It's always our choice. I was once convicted about a relationship I had with a person I worked with. I was very offended by her attitude and was critical of her. And I couldn't see anything helpful in her manner at all and I had judged her according to my expectations. The Lord made me aware that this attitude was wrong and I had to apologise to her, which I did over a cup of coffee. And as we talked, I realised that she had a number of other responsibilities in the office that I wasn't aware of and she was juggling all of them. But because she had not met my expectations in my time, I'd been offended and so I asked for her forgiveness for my attitude towards her and we became friends. And approximately 12 months after that, sadly, she died from cancer. But I was so thankful that we had that opportunity to be reconciled and that she had forgiven me while we had that opportunity given to us. You can be sure that if we are where the Lord wants us to be, Satan will try everything to get us to be offended and leave, whether it's in our church on a committee, part of a team at work, or in any of our relationships, he will try to have us react, throw in the towel and say, that's it, I've had enough. Offence is particularly destructive when it happens in Christians because it causes damage to the church and to the name of Jesus. It affects our witness to Jesus in the way we live our lives and it sends the wrong message to the people who observe us and many people do just watch to see how we live our lives, as Sam has shared before with the guys that were in his band and were waiting for him to blow up one day. We are being watched. So we can be so quick to point out the faults of others and react to the way they have treated us. 
Mark Twain said, nothing needs reforming so much as other people's habits. But it's not other people's habits that God wants to reform. It's ours. In our devotions just yesterday, I received a powerful lesson to help my thinking about other people. Quoting a psychologist, it said, if we eliminate the shoulds and woulds from our vocabulary and, of course, from our attitudes, we could become transformed people overnight. He was not making reference to the moral compass God has placed within all our hearts that points us to do what is right, but rather to the demandingness that causes us to insist on having our own rights respected, irrespective of anyone else. These are the times we say, so-and-so should do this, or if only that person at work would do this, everything would be okay. When it comes to issues in the church, it is important to remember that it's God who has placed us there. 1 Corinthians tells us that God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Every one of them. There are no exceptions. He has placed us in our churches with our gifts to use for his purposes. He doesn't make mistakes. If things aren't going how we would like them to, I think the lesson the Lord wants us to learn is the importance of praying for each other, that Jesus will be formed in us all. He should increase and we should decrease. The experiences we have where people offend us can really hurt us, but we are not to nurse the hurt. One of the meanings of nursing something is to hold it closely or carefully. And isn't this what we can do with an offence? We look at it often, turn it over and over, look at it from every angle, nurture it and feed it, and that's how it can grow into a root of bitterness. And this is sometimes how people can leave a church. It can keep on growing until it dominates our thinking and shapes who we are, and that happens silently below the surface, and the root determines what kind of fruit will be produced. When God shapes us, the experience can be painful, but that's one of the ways we grow. Excuse me. That's how we overcome the character flaws, such as taking offence, and that's how we become more like Jesus. The cry of Jesus' heart is for unity. It is the only unanswered prayer from Jesus' lips on the night he prayed for the disciples and those who would come to know him through their message. That's us, you and me. Jesus wants us to be one as he and the Father are one. He longs to see his church united. He doesn't want just a token effort, but he wants us to have a deep love for one another. And love isn't affection, it's not a warm, fuzzy feeling, it's a commitment to each other and seeking the highest good we have and can express. He wants unity based on the things we have in common rather than being separated by our differences. He wants it based on our love for him. Every person is a unique creation made by God who he loves and for whom Jesus died. And we can ask him to show us that person who drives us crazy. Ask him to show us that person through his eyes. And I can tell you it never fails. You will always see a different side of that person and the relationship will be strengthened. Years ago, I reached a point in my relationship with my mum where I didn't want to have anything more to do with her. I'd been hurt too many times. 
and I cried out to the Lord one day and prayed that he would let me see her through his eyes and fill me with his love for her because my love had run out. And he did. And as I sat on my bed, it was like watching a slideshow of all the things that had made my mum the person that she was, all the things that she had suffered. And it wasn't the end of the hurts or the frustrations and arguments over faith, but Jesus enabled me to go on loving her. Three months before she passed away, she was living with Richard and me, and after years and years of resistance, at last she gave her heart to Jesus, and we had the great comfort and joy of knowing that we would see her again in heaven, where we will all be new creations. When we pray that prayer to see others through the eyes of Jesus, it's amazing what the Lord will show us and the feelings of love and compassion that will well up in us. He is love, and love forgets, uh, forgets wrong so that there is hope for the future. There has to be a way to restore damaged relationships, and it can only be through the love and forgiveness we have received through Jesus. The freedom we have in Christ is to set others free, not to assert our own rights. In the same way that Jesus stayed close to the Father, it is so important for us to stay close to him, to know him so that when people say all kinds of untrue or unkind things about us, we can be anchored in him. Because we know the truth about ourselves and our relationship to Jesus, we won't react. The Message Bible tells us we are blessed when we are content with just who we are, no more, no less. We can become more at rest in our souls. But how do we react when we are hurt by those closest to us? Jesus didn't become offended when people hurt him. He prayed for the disciples and forgave them. He prayed for those who crucified him. And that's the example we are called to follow. As the body of Christ, we are to behave like him. We are to forgive and to pray for one another, to be patient, kind and self-controlled, treating each other with grace and respect. And it's the Holy Spirit within us who helps us to do that. Instead of judging, we pray for each other and ourselves to be made more like Jesus. We all need understanding. We all need compassion. We all need forgiveness. We all need Jesus. The longer we take to forgive, the harder our hearts become. Our pride can blind us to the fact that we are also in the wrong. Though our true heart condition can be hidden from us, it is not hidden from God. Psalm 51, that beautiful psalm of David, is a good reminder to us. In it, David says, God, search my heart and see if there is any offensive way in me. David's words showed me that my being offended is an offence to God. He is the only one who is entitled to be offended because he has a perfect view of our actions. He sees that our motivations have been against his word. On the other hand, our assessment of an offence can be all about ourselves and our expectations. As with David, God wants us to take an honest look at ourselves and with his help deal with the things the Holy Spirit will reveal. I have always been amazed at the grace and love of God when I go through an exercise like this. The first time I did it and saw myself as I really am, I expected to be severely reprimanded, and rightly so. But all I felt was a beautiful, gentle peace. 
covering over me and I was assured of the Holy Spirit's help to change. He is so kind and patient and gentle. We can trust him, as Richard said, and we have nothing to fear. The Bible gives us some guidelines for how to live in this way. In 1 Peter 3, verses 8 and 9, Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. God never created us to live separately and independently of each other. He is blessed when his children care for, encourage and nurture each other, despite being hurt, and he will bless us when we do it. It grieves him when we sulk and feel sorry for ourselves, making everyone else responsible for our happiness. And I once heard a very elderly pastor say that his wife calls him the incredible sulk. That really cracked me up and I've never forgotten it. God sees the secret place of our hearts and judges our attitudes and our motives. The trials we go through in life will expose what's in our hearts. And will we allow those trials and experiences to be used by God to make us better people? Or will we be shaped, sorry, will we be shaped like Jesus or will we give in to the traps of the enemy? To love as Jesus did is to give unconditional love. And unconditional love gives others the right to hurt us. Quite often the hurt we experience can come through somebody we care about. Jesus knew what that feels like. We've heard already about Judas and we could add Peter, Thomas and Philip who at times didn't seem to understand or support Jesus when it was needed. In Mark 3.20 we read that even his family went out to take charge of Jesus because they thought he was out of his mind. And I can only imagine how that must have hurt. There's another man in the Bible who experienced that kind of hurt without becoming offended and that's Joseph. And if we look at his life, we can see some key points. Firstly, his brothers were highly offended because he was the favourite son and Joseph liked to remind them of that. They decided to take revenge on him and sold him into slavery and he was taken to Egypt. Joseph could have been offended because of what his brothers did to him and on top of being sold by his brothers, his father never came looking for him. He felt betrayed by those that he loved most and could well have thought of himself as the victim. Joseph could have spent his time plotting revenge, saying, when I get my hands on them, they're going to pay for this. But there was a greater plan being worked out. Everything that happened to Joseph was allowed by God. God wanted Joseph in Egypt at that time, at that exact time, to be able to provide for his brothers and their families during the famine that was coming. God was working for good in this situation. God was also teaching Joseph obedience and preparing him for the great things to come when he would be made lord over Pharaoh's entire household and ruler of all Egypt. If Joseph had been vengeful and made his brothers pay for what they had done to him, he would have killed the future heads of ten of the twelve tribes of Israel. This would have included Judah, from whose lineage Christ descended. 
I was quite surprised when I realised that the ones who treated Joseph so wickedly were the future leaders of Israel. I hadn't made that connection before. Without Jesus, all of us, including our spiritual leaders, are capable of the worst deeds. We all need the strengthening, grace, forgiveness and mercy of God. Because Joseph forgave his brothers and blessed them, they had everything they needed to survive the famine and so keep the lineage of Christ alive. God always sees a much bigger picture than just what we are experiencing. So we'll read the words now from Genesis 45 when Joseph was reunited with his brothers. But now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been famine in the land and for the next five years there will not be ploughing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Then in chapter 50, Joseph said to them, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And we are told he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. What a Christ-like man. Joseph really lived out the words Jesus has given to us. Bless those who curse you and despitefully use you and do good to those who hate you. Joseph was very aware that what his brothers intended for evil, God intended for good. Joseph loved God more than his own right to be offended. And may our loving Father help us to live in the same way. We'll close now with the words from Psalm 73. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you, yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterwards you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. God will be the strength of our hearts forever and help us to resist becoming offended. That's his promise to us. Let's just bow our heads in prayer for a moment. Loving Father, we have heard you speaking to us this morning. We thank you that you want to help us have the right attitude to everyone. Keep us from having a spirit which looks for faults. Keep us from the thoughtless attitude which overlooks the feelings of others. Help us to recognise any pride which makes us pleased with ourselves and prevents us from seeing our own faults. Keep us from selfishness which wants its own way. Lord, help us to remember that we can only receive your forgiveness for these things as we forgive those who have offended us. And would you just take a moment to silently name anybody that the Lord has put on your heart. We pray that you will draw us ever more closely to you so that as we come into your presence, your presence will come into us. Thank you, dear Father, for your great, unconditional and eternal love for us. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Wow. Thank you so much, Carol, for that amazing word. Um, just that you've been impacted uh, by those words that, that Carol has prepared and, and, and given to us. Um, I, I know that I know I have. And, uh, yeah, trust that as you, uh, as we sing this next song, you continue to dwell, um, on what the Lord has spoken to you, uh, through Carol, uh, through the message this morning. Um, Carol was mentioning that we all need forgiveness. We all need Jesus. We all need grace. Uh, every single one of us. And so I pray that as we sing this last song, uh, perhaps you would bring your uh, wrong attitudes, uh, your indignant thoughts um, to him and say, Lord, I haven't, I haven't looked at, at people through your eyes. Help me to see people as you see them. Help me to love people as you love them. And do a work in me, Lord, uh, and change my heart within. So as we sing this next song, just encourage you to continue in that, that sense of asking the Lord to do a work in you and ask for his grace ask for his love sermon um my wife texted me good sermon explanation mark uh so it really resonated uh with her and i think richard you're right we should be listening to carol Moore. (laughs) and to put it into practice i received a text from andrew langmaid saying um wasn't that your nickname after you lost the pushing contest the incredible sulk um (laughs) thank you andrew i'm not offended and i love your brother So uh, on that silly note, but thank you, thank you so much for joining this morning. Um, it's been great to meet online, and again, 
uh, after this this week, uh, next week on Sunday, we'll be meeting in person. So just a reminder that uh, if you will look for an email from Sam and the team, uh, you'll get the details on how we can actually uh, meet online, uh, uh, meet here, sorry. So you're going to need to reply to a ticket and uh, there'll be an RS, RSVP. Um, but I just want to uh, end in prayer and we'll, we'll go. Thank you, God, that uh, we risk offending you every day and that you are not offended, that you love us, that you graciously forgive us, um, and that we are just so blessed to have you as our Father, someone who is always looking out for us. And uh, I just pray that as we go from here today that, um, yeah, as we feel self-righteous or, or feel to offend, uh, or be offended, uh, that, Lord, yeah, you'll give us um, that reminder that you have always, always forgiven us for what we've done and that we can love one another truly from that position that you've given us. So, yeah, we just thank you so much for who you are and what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we'll see you next week. Look out for that email.